Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Ministries podcast. Today, I want to wrap up this series on discipleship. And so I want to do it in two little parts. One, just kind of some summary of some key points. And then I want to share a little bit, with Robin's permission, how she and I have been working this out together as husband and wife and helping each other grow. So remember now, discipleship, being a Christian, same thing. Discipleship, Luke 640. A student is not greater than his master, but when he is fully trained, he will become like the master. You and I are in a training relationship with Jesus to become like him, which again, we think overall means to love as he has loved us, to love as he loved. How are we in this training relationship with Jesus? Well, that's by the Spirit. By the Spirit in us, through the mystery of the Trinity, the Father and Jesus and the Spirit together are in us. Jesus is with us, alive and real, and thereby still functions as our rabbi, as our master, as our teacher, whom we are to experience and be trained by in order to love like him and be like him. Last time I talked about motivation and that one of the key motivations for making time to be with Jesus, to be trained, would be to think about eternity. To think about the fact that the lives we touch, the impact on a human being, human beings are the only thing that's eternal and that one day we'll get to celebrate and hear the thank yous and rejoice and glory in what God did through our lives. The other thing really behind first love is simply that the main reason you want to spend time with Jesus and to be trained by him to love as he has loved you is because it's so good to be loved. We were made to be loved. And so why would we not want to make time to be loved by him? And the two primary ways that we understand being loved is through words and actions. So one of the things we do is we make time to listen to him love us with words. And sometimes it's words about who we are to him. Sometimes it's words about truth and understanding about things. But whatever it is, it's simply being loved through words. And the other, of course, is through actions and This is the exercise we call God sightings, where we see Jesus present, alive, and active, loving through us, through one another, through our own lives to others, from others to ourselves. And it's as we take time to look and meditate and learn from, it's ultimately where I think once I counted a total of 11 or maybe 13 times, it's been a while since I've seen that list, but... How many times Paul said, follow my example? Even Jesus said in John 13, after washing their feet, he said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Remember the key difference between training and teaching is that teaching just imparts knowledge. It imparts information. And in that sense, we could simply hear the truth, the information about the right way to live, the right things, and then we simply try to apply those. Quite frankly, I think that's what most of us have been doing most of our lives. But to love as Jesus has loved us, the idea of imitating, of following an example is actually being with someone, watching someone, learning from someone. Then they invite us to do it, and we practice, and they watch us, and they coach us, and they help us and assist us, and then they show us again. And there's this process of learning, observing, practicing, and being coached. That's what it means to be trained. So there is a, a knowledge portion of it, but it's a lot more than that. And one of the main ways that the Lord does this is through other believers. 
It's through our own lives as we observe how we've loved and pay attention to it and grow from it. Well, a couple other things quickly then is the use of a journal. And I recognize for a lot of times the word journal conveys this idea of like a daily diary and you just sit down and write whatever comes to mind. But in this case, I'm using the word journal in in a much different way. And in the past, I've often referred, if you listen to the last sermon series, I think, but I talked about our journal being like a job site. After a lot of reflection and meditating yesterday, I think probably maybe the best metaphor for the journal as I see it is the journal's almost like going to the gym. It's where the tools are to do exercises. And it's where you meet with the coach and the personal trainer. And it's there that you do the things that are going to help you grow. You do the things that are going to change you. So again, in the gym, your goal is you want to maybe lose some weight. You want to become stronger, healthier, Well, you can go to the gym and spend time there and do the weights improperly and never change at all. And if you don't have somebody there to train and teach and coach you, you'll keep on doing it in a way that's not going to produce much change and you'll get very frustrated. Well, hey, I go to the gym, I do this stuff, but I'm not changing. Well, the point is, is that you have to lift the weights correctly. You have to lift a certain amount. You have to do it in repetition You do numbers of sets with X amount of times during a set, and you concentrate on a couple of muscles and a couple of exercises one day, and then you concentrate on another set of exercises and a set of muscles on another day. And all the way through, the trainer's there to coach and assist and say, no, do it this way or watch me. Well, likewise, our journal, I think, is probably most close to the idea of a gym where we go to meet with Jesus that there are exercises we do. The primary ones are the love texts and God sightings and doing those in a certain way where they slow you down and that you're trying to internalize, that you're memorizing, that you're meditating. I assume all of you at some point read a certain amount of scripture. But if you only read a new scripture every day for five minutes a day, it's not going to change you, quite frankly. Because unless it begins to become internalized, unless you practice Unless you do repetition of the same thing over and over again, rarely does it get into you. Rarely does it change you. So where we're trying to encourage you to hear the text from the Lord, first of all, so that it becomes a message from His heart to yours, so that your heart is loved, but then that you would memorize it and meditate, and then you turn around and use it. Speak it to others. Speak it aloud to yourself. Write it out in an email or a card, but find ways to use words to love, practice, Speak them, share them, and learn to hear the Lord through them. That another huge part of it is that you're taking time to begin to learn and hear the Holy Spirit talk to you, to learn that Jesus really is alive by the Spirit and really does talk to you and learning how to know what does that sound like? What does that look like to me in my life? And again, the God sightings is that you actually take time to pay attention to how the Lord's been loving you directly through actions so that you think about it. Paul said in Philippians 4, 9, whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice. I mean, it can't get any clearer than that. Whatever you've learned, right? We said there's a knowledge part, but then whatever you've received, whatever you've seen, whatever you've heard, put it into practice. There's something that you actually do, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a way to do training that's effective 
and there's a way that you can go spend time, but it doesn't really change or transform you. The other thing that, as you've also just noticed, kind of comes out natural to talk about is this idea of support, is the idea of a trainer. I thought about diving is that you always do it with a buddy system. You never dive by yourself, that you always have someone there alongside you. I think about exercise. It's the need for a personal trainer is so helpful to have a coach or even AA, the fact that they know the importance of having a sponsor, somebody who's there with you, alongside you, supporting you. And I've talked about already the importance of intensives, that along the way, sometimes you just got to take longer, concentrated, focused period of times and intensive. And again, it can be a book, it can be a class, it can be a weekend retreat, it can be a seminar, it can be whatever it is, but it's where you're taking extra time, extended time to really stay focused on a particular area to help it get deeper into you. The goal is to be transformed. The goal is to become like Jesus, to love as Jesus has loved us. Oh, I hope that you're just catching a vision for wanting to make time. And then once you make the time, to spend that time in the kinds of ways that will really cause you to be transformed and changed. Ultimately, you've got to be loved in order to love as loved. Well, I want to finish out this time just to kind of give a personal example where I asked Robin if I could share this with you today, that there's been some stuff that Robin's been struggling through. And in this case, it's more of uh, of a knowledge part of her training and development and growth. And honestly, it, it applied to me too. So I loved our conversation about it. And maybe you've struggled with it from time to time where we have these verses where Jesus says, ask anything and it will be given to you. And ask, seek, and knock, and the Lord's going to answer, or John 14, 12, that you will do the same things or greater things that I've done. And sometimes we struggle with, Lord, it it seems like you set us up that if we pray, you're going to answer, and especially have an idea of what that answer ought to look like. So anyway, Tuesday was a snow day. And she and I spent most of the morning just chatting, reflecting, and especially focusing on this particular topic. Well, in the course of it, we began to get our finger on specifically the will of God. And I think probably one of the things that really we just thought about and pondered and took the time to let it soak in was thinking about the fact that Jesus in Gethsemane, three times Jesus asked, if the cup, the crucifixion he knew was coming, could be spared and that there might be a plan B, there might be another way. And of course, when Judas shows up with the soldiers, he got his answer. It's plan A. But each time he makes the request for plan B, he finishes that prayer saying, not my will, but yours be done. It causes us to think about in James where he says, You know, don't be saying, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that, but I believe it's in chapter 4. But he says, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. And I have friends that say, Lord willing, we'll do this. Lord willing, we'll do that. Realizing it's really true. We can make plans and we don't know even how the rest of today is going to end up. It's all in God's hands. Even when we thought about the verse, Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate says, don't you know that I have the power over your life to do this and that thing? And Jesus says, you don't have any power at all. He says, you're only able to do whatever my Father allows you to do. 
and that he recognized that, yes, we do have choice, but yet God is still sovereign. And in those moments when we're puzzled and confused, or we remember the time when I really spent time reflecting on the fact that James, the brother of John and Peter, remember Peter, James, and John, that trio, James gets arrested first and he gets killed that night, I assume, probably got his head cut off. Everyone was praying for him. The very next day, Herod saw everybody's enthusiasm over James being beheaded so that he arrests Peter. And he's planning to do the same to Peter that night, except for it's the Sabbath, so he can't follow through. Well, everybody prays, and if you're not familiar with the story, Acts chapter 12, an angel shows up and Peter thinks he's having a vision, and instead it's actually reality that the angel walks him out of prison and takes him to the house where everyone's praying. And again, the more I meditated on that, I couldn't help but imagining what it was like for John. On the one hand, thrilled to see his friend, probably as close as a brother, Peter, walk through the door. But at the same time, couldn't help but wondering, was he also sitting there saying, but Father, why my brother? Why did he die the night before? We were all praying the same prayers. We were all asking for the same thing. James dies. Peter gets delivered. We started thinking about Romans 8, 26 to 28, and truthfully, friends, you should never think about Romans 8, 28 without attaching it to 26 and 27, where 26 begins by saying that the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what we ought to pray for, and that He intercedes with inarticulate groanings. The fact is, is that Paul recognizes we do not know how to pray because we don't know what the Lord's will is. We don't know what He's doing. And so, we have an idea of what we want to pray for, but we really don't know how to pray. But the assurance Paul is giving us is that when we pray, the Spirit is also interceding. And then, in verse 27, he explicitly says that the Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. So that whenever we pray, he's praying it according to the will of God, so that in Romans 8, 28, where he says, we don't know how to pray in verse 26, but he says in 28, we do know that the Spirit works all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The assurance is that when it's all said and done after we've prayed, whatever's going on is what the Lord's doing because the Spirit prayed it rightly according to the will of God and we can trust and that somehow there's good happening Not necessarily for our good. Some of the translations say for your good, and I'm not so sure that's the best thing to put because it literally in the Greek just says for good, and we have to trust that it is for good. We think about the guys in Hebrews, right? All those that died in their faith, some were rescued, some saw incredible miracles, but many of them were tortured, sawn in two. Many of them never saw what they hoped for by faith. We have to trust that it's for good. You consider the Lord's Prayer. It begins first by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, all of that to say is that Rob and I spent a lot of time reflecting and meditating on all of that and trusting God's timing, that that's the critical issue is that the Lord knows everything that's going on. And as much as he may want to answer our prayer, even as a parent, right, sometimes you want to respond to the kids right away, but you know For their health, for their future, there's things that they have to experience a delay or what they think is us withholding or being mean is actually really for their good. Well, here's the deal. We spent all that time talking about it. (laughs) And then this morning we were chatting together and she'd already moved on to some other thing. 
And I went, sweetheart, did you write down the stuff from our conversation on Tuesday? And she went, no. And I said, but I think that's the thing you've been wrestling with for months, maybe years. I think let's get it written down. Let's get these verses written down. Let's start writing out what you think the Lord's revealing to you about this and and then go back and reread it and reread it and memorize some of these verses. The point is, is that Robin's still growing <laughs> and she knows it. She said to me so many times, I know, I know I should have this, this a journal, a notebook like you do so that you know exactly what's going on and you stay focused. But that's what I'm saying. I think the idea is the journal's like the gym because there's the place where, ah, that's what I'm working on. That's the exercise. And in this case, for Robin, it's mostly about, it is truth. It's about knowledge. That's part of the training. So I've encouraged her that the goal before today's over, I hope that she's going to write some of this stuff down. And then I'm going to be her sponsor. I'm going to be her coach and her friend. And Because I need some of this too. I get discouraged sometimes by the lack of seemingly answers to prayer. And so we're going to work on it together. And we're going to work on memorizing some of these better and more careful and, and continue to see what else the Lord will reveal to us about our broken thinking and where we need to change and develop. Anyway, discipleship. It's in that training process with Jesus. We need to take time. We need to make time. How we spend that time matters. I think a journal is incredibly helpful to keep us focused, seeing it as the gym, where the exercises are there, Jesus meets us as the trainer, and over time we get to see just how much we've grown and changed and been transformed. That's the other beauty about the journal, is that you get to see and monitor and track change. So beloved, I love you. I hope that some of these talks about discipleship have challenged you, but I hope they've encouraged you that it's just so worth spending time with Jesus in a certain way so that we really do see ourselves change and grow and experience the joy of all that. God bless you, and just thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.